Go ahead then, if you will, turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, and I will be reading verses 66 through 72. Mark, chapter 14, beginning at verse 66. Give you a second there. All right, hear you then the word of the Lord. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway. And the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it, and after a little while the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down. And wept. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever and ever. Father, we do thank you for thy holy word. We do pray, grant us understanding and illumination by your Holy Spirit. Father, here as we see these events in the life of Peter, but in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I have actually in the past, I've spoken about the uniqueness of the local roosters and how noisy they can be sometimes, even in the middle of the day. And I was one of those who originally thought it was first thing in the morning and then first time when you go to bed. That is not true, all right? They, they kind of, anytime they feel like it, they will crow, it seems. However, it does seem that they will crow repeatedly uh, for seemingly no reason at all. Um, I'm sure they have one. Yet they do have reasons for daily crowing. Yes, they may crow as a warning to other roosters not to enter their territory. It's a warning. Don't you come there. These are mine. Those are my ladies over there in the hen house. So stay back or I will attack you. All right. So yes, they did crow um, to warn other roosters around. They'll also crow first thing in the morning according to their own internal clocks. Not my clock, but in their own internal clocks. Um... It is a call to all of their own to wake up for the day, and also it is a call to let them know all is clear. They don't see any predators, they don't see any hawks nearby. It's a call that all is clear, and they all may begin to venture into the, what they call it, chicken yard, uh, wherever that might be. But they crow to warn their hens of intruders or predators that are coming about. It's a call to danger. Now, one's always a good one to realize. He will crow to let others know, his hens know, that. Also that he's available, uh, calling for a date, if you will, for them. But there are a variety of reasons and purposes behind the rooster's crow. And here in our text, you will see the rooster crow two times, but the purpose behind his crowing will serve as a reminder here of the great prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ concerning one of his disciples here, the great, bold, and courageous Peter. Well, he will be. All right, he will be. All right. Was Peter a perfect disciple? No, of course not. He had his weaknesses like any other. He was he a coward though. He was no coward. 
You may say a lot of things about Peter, but he's not a coward at all. But if you remember, it was Peter who called out to the Lord who was walking on the water. Remember when Jesus got out of the boat? Jesus came to them walking on the water, and the disciples were in the boat. They see him, Peter. It's, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come out on the water. And he gets out, and Jesus calls him to come. He walks on the water. He looks at the wind and waves, gets scared, and begins to sink. And Jesus, of course, is right there in a heartbeat uh, to save him. But Peter said, if you bid me, Lord, to come out into the water um, with you, I will. And so all that happened. What happened to the other disciples? They were in the boat. None of them got out. They didn't say, hey, Peter, you can do it. We're going out there, too. We're going to take a walk. A stroll on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, but no, they all stayed in their boat. So it did take a lot of guts. It took a lot of guts for Peter to step out of the boat into the water in the midst of the great winds and waves. And so yes, Peter walked on the water. And yes, Peter became fearful of the winds and waves. And he sank. But Christ was still there to lift him up. And he will always be there to lift him up. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, here it was Peter. Peter is the one who drew the sword, right? When they came in to get, get come and arrest Jesus, Peter's the one that drew his sword and struck off the ear of the high priest's servant while he was attempting to defend Christ from the mob. So he's not a coward. Let's not make a mistake on that. He can be if I'm afraid, but he's not a coward at all. Peter was still not perfect. Okay, he was a man like any other man. And yes... Uh, here in our text, we see one of Peter's own failings before Christ, and Peter knows it. Uh, being reminded, of course, of Christ's prophecy, that the rooster will crow before you deny me three times. He said, yes, you will, Peter, you'll deny me three times. But he gives him hope after the end of that, okay? We will consider this passage under two headings. First of all, we see Peter's threefold denial of Christ. And second, the rooster crowed. We see the rooster is crowing here. Even the mighty Peter, even the mighty Peter was still flesh and blood. He's still just a man, still subject to fear and failures. And so we may fail, we may fall, but Christ will absolutely keep us. He will keep us all the way to the day of glory, and he will keep us. We may fall, but we will not fall away. And neither did Peter, because Christ keeps his sheep, every single one of them. So let's go ahead and consider our first heading that we mentioned, the first one, Peter's threefold denial of Christ. Now we see this, of course, in verses 66 through 71, but look at verse 66 first. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. Now from this particular verse, we see that Peter was down in the courtyard, meaning that Christ was upstairs in the high priest's palace. He's upstairs in the palace, and I'm guessing they, they are able to look outside of the, uh, the window of the palace or you know, the large opening, because we often they would speak from uh, out there as well, but... But Jesus, remember, he was on trial before the high priest, but while he was being interrogated by the high priest, Peter was going to be interrogated as well. Peter is going to be, if you will, interrogated by this servant girl, a servant girl of no rank or power or of anything. She has no status. She has no authority of any kind, but she goes and takes us a particular event to draw attention to Peter. And he doesn't like that, okay? But he, she does. She points him out to the crowd there in the courtyard, down there in the courtyard. 
Now, Peter, we know, has been following Jesus from a distance, and he went into the courtyard of the high priest to see what was going to happen to Jesus. He wanted to see what's going to happen. He wasn't there ready to, yeah, yeah, I will die for you. He is not ready for that yet. And Jesus doesn't want him to do that yet. Okay. And in verse 54, we see Peter is warming himself by the fire. It was in the glow of this fire, the light to the fire of the night, that the servant girl sees Peter over there. She recognizes him. Um, John said that this girl was essentially the doorkeeper or a gatekeeper. All right, and Peter will return over by the gate uh, a little bit, a little bit well, soon here anyway. But however, nevertheless, we see Peter and she sees Peter. She sees him warming by the fire and, and seeing him and looking at him, by the way, that would be the proper verbs to you, seeing him and looking at him. In verse 67, she said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. You're with them. You're one of them. Now, how does she know this? Okay, somebody asked, how would she possibly know this? We are not told exactly how she knew this, but likely she saw Peter with Jesus when Jesus had been teaching in the temple, and he had been doing that not too long before this. And so she refers to Jesus as a Nazarene. Now the word, uh, the word order here itself may indicate that she said this in a negative way. Remember the typical, the Jews of Jerusalem kind of looked down upon the Galileans, all right? They would be... Uh, Oh, now nah, you want to go there. <laughs> All right, but, but she uses a word in a negative way, more likely it's a negative way, because they look down upon those who are from Galilee. <laughs> no, you're not going to say that. What? The wrong side of the oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. The wrong side of Jerusalem. All right, that's a little work too. Um, okay, but they look down upon the Galileans. They looked down upon them, and they recognized their country accent, all right? They pick up on that country accent, uh, Galilee, all right? Very strong accent. There's no missing it. All the bystanders would hear Peter say that using y'all, all right? I'm from Texas. We use y'all for everything. You go up north, use guys, Ewans, uh, whatever. That, uh, that uh, does not work for me. But, uh, but anyway, so we see here, first of all, Peter's denial, the first denial of Peter in verse 68. Peter says to her, I neither know nor understand what you mean. I don't have a clue what you're saying. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's probably um, basically scared Peter because she recognized him and, and made it public. She did it in public, and so he promptly, at this point, promptly goes over by the gateway. Okay, Remember, she is the gatekeeper or the doorkeeper, and he goes over by the gateway just in case he needs to make a fast getaway. He may have to slip out really quick if it starts to get ugly. And, of course, when he said, I don't know what you're talking about, the rooster crowed. So I don't know him nor understand what you mean. He doesn't seem to have noticed here that the, crow, the rooster has crowed yet, but he will or the second time. Look at verse 69 here. Again, we see a second denial. There are three of them. The second denial here, Peter. And the servant girl saw him, because he went over by the gateway, right, uh, and began to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again he denied it. Now remember how Peter said, even though they all will fall away, I will not do that. I will, I will die if I must die for you. And Jesus, of course, said, mm, no, you won't. You won't. 
You'll deny me three times, and the rooster will crow. So yeah, he said all that because all that Jesus has said will come to pass. And we see it coming to pass very pointedly and specifically and very clearly, and Peter is going to get it. And so Peter, again, the second time denies Christ, and he suspiciously moves by the gate. Okay, she pointed him out, and he kind of backs in and goes over by the gateway over there. He wants a fast exit in case he needs to get out of Dodge, all right? So she not only says this, but she says it to everyone standing there in the courtyard. This man is one of them, meaning one of the followers of Jesus Christ of Nazarene. So she points him out uh, in front of everyone, and Peter kept denying it before them. He kept denying. Okay, and again, Peter was probably shaken up. That kind of put a little bit of fear in his heart, and a little bit something going on there. He's being exposed a second time and publicly. And they had a third denial. This is going to occur, by the way, about an hour after the second denial. About an hour later. But now the bystanders are all getting involved. The bystanders who are there, they're hearing her, they're hearing Peter, they're seeing what's taking place, and especially one of them does hear them and see all this. One of the bystanders gets involved. Well, in John's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 26, there we read, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? After all, he chopped off, he chopped off a relative of mine, his ear. Okay, so he knows, he's familiar, he's heard about this. Did I not see you in the garden with him? Other bystanders, certainly you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. And Matthew says your speech, which means what? Your accent gives you away. Your accent is a Galilean accent. We all know what a Galilean accent is. Now remember, the Galileans have that strong, noticeable accent, sort of like the y'all that we use so often here in the South. But when they heard Peter speak, Instantly they knew this man's a Galilean. Jesus is from Nazareth. He is a Galilean. He comes from Nazareth. We know that Peter is a Galilean. So he's not fooling anybody. Maybe try, he doesn't say, but maybe he tries to cover his accent. There is no covering up that accent, all right? Well, that was the last straw for Peter. He begins to curse himself, essentially, and swear in verse 71. We read, but he began to invoke the curse on himself and the swear, referring to an oath, by the way. I do not know this man of whom you speak. I deny even knowing him. I don't know who this is that you're talking about. He is totally and completely denying anything about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's denying everything about him. I don't know him. I'm not familiar with him. And yet, even now, we all know that Peter did believe every single thing about him. Peter did believe about Jesus Uh, what they would accuse him. He did believe and he did confess. If you remember, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He does believe that. And he knows. And so he does. But his threefold denial here is complete. It has been accomplished just as Jesus had said it would be accomplished. And so now it's going to strike the heart of Peter even before us here. We read our second heading and the rooster crowed. Look at verse 72. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. He wept. He was a broken man. He, 
And there's more to it as well as we see from the other Gospels too. But those words that we hear from Peter, that, that, I mean, it's just tragic. It just sounds terrible. You know, we hear, we read these words about him, what happened to him, and his denial and his brokenness. This man is broken, and he truly regrets all that he's said and done because one of the greatest of Jesus' disciples failed in his determination to keep his word. He said, even though all the others fall away, I will not. If I must die for you, I will not deny you. In other words, I will die for you. If I'm required to die, I will die for you. So even Peter here has a moment of weakness. But remember, this is still on the other side of the resurrection. It's on the other side of the resurrection. We have the blessing of seeing all this from the side of the resurrection. But he has not seen the resurrected, glorified Christ yet. But he will. For now, Peter is not ready to die for his faith in Christ, but that day is coming. Jesus even told them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And he told them that, and Peter will remember that. I'll go before you in the Galilee. Why? He's not holding that, that scattering against them. They must be scattered because a shepherd will be smitten. Okay, the shepherd will be stricken. And he said, well, when the shepherd is stricken, I'll be raised up, and I'm going to meet you in Galilee. So he said then, you all fall. Every one of you is going to fall away. You're all going to fall. You're all going to scatter. But I will be raised up. I will be resurrected, and I will see you again over in Galilee. In other words, Jesus is not condemning them. He's not condemning them, but giving them hope. He said, this is going to happen. But don't worry. I'm going to be raised. I'm going to meet you in Galilee. Don't forget that. <laughs> they had a tendency to forget, I think. But anyway, don't forget that. He's giving them hope. It is not their time for them to die as martyrs for Christ. But that day will come very quickly. Rather, they will see him again in Galilee. And Peter denied him. And the rooster crowed the second time. Meaning that the prophecy has been fulfilled just as the Lord said that it would be accomplished. And hearing the rooster crow again, Peter remembered the prophecy. Luke records this, by the way. And the Lord turned. He heard the rooster crow the second time. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. Crushing! Oh, I must have just crushed him! The Lord looked, turned around and looked at Peter. Right down there in the courtyard. And Peter saw him look, I mean, eye contact. And he's just a crushed man right there on the spot. So Peter denied Christ three times and the rooster crowed. Christ looked right at uh, Peter from the second floor. And there the very heavenly eyes of Christ still filled with forgiveness. Forgiveness for Peter. Because he told him, this is going to happen. Well, I'll be resurrected and I'll see you in Galilee, all right? And so Peter was crushed, and his heart is broken, and he begins to weep. By the way, that's a, he wept. That's kind of modified, that kind of softens the blow. He's crushed, he's crying. Tears are falling from his eyes. He is a beaten man, and he runs out of there. He's broken down, and he weeps bitterly, bitterly, because of what is done. So he cried and if you will, he wailed, right? He W-A-I-L-E-D, he wailed like the weeping women of the day. He did what he did. Uh, he did not want to do that. 
He did what he did not want to do, did not want to ever do, to deny the Lord. But here he did deny him, and the one who loves him, the one who forgives him. And yet, Peter was weak. Now, you remember Judas. Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. Judas denied Christ, but he also betrayed Christ. But he did so immediately. He immediately did so, promptly denying Christ, and Peter was immediately broken. Okay, Judas was not. He was not immediately broken, but rather he went out and denied Christ immediately. But Peter was broken, and he's filled with remorse. Filled with remorse. He regretted it. He never intended to do such a thing. He never wanted to do that. And he did. And in the heart of man, the Bible says, exceedingly deceitful. Who can know it? Well, Jesus knows your heart. Okay, Christ knows. And he's looking at Peter, and Peter was looking at him. But there's forgiveness in the eyes of Christ. As he sees Peter begin to break down, there's forgiveness. Because Peter will know the forgiveness of Christ immediately. He will know it immediately, even as he flees out of there. While Judas' betrayal, his betrayal was permanent. It was permanent, and he will, you know, of course, woke up in hell. But the denial by Peter, this was temporary. It was only temporary. It would only be temporary. Jesus told them it would be temporary. But the requirements of restoration before the Lord, what is it? Repentance and faith. Okay, the requirements of restoration before the Lord is repentance and faith. Peter's remorse, okay, his tears, his brokenness. That he is there. They're all evidence of his repentance. He is a broken man. And he's, he's, he's repentant. Completely repentant. Filled with remorse. But also his coming restoration by Christ is there when he is risen. And of course he was risen. The angel at the empty tomb will tell the women there. And if I pick up on that. Always notice that. Don't forget that. The angel at the empty tomb told the women that were there. Go and report to the disciples. And Peter, and Peter, go tell all the disciples, but make sure you tell Peter. He singles them out, because Peter's crushed. Go tell Peter he needs to know this. Go tell Peter he's not forgotten. He is forgiven. He is going ahead to meet you in Galilee. So take heart, be bold. Christ can heal the brokenhearted, and he still heals the brokenhearted today. No matter how crushed you may be, how broken you might be, Christ is there with forgiveness in his heart, in his hands, in his eyes. Forgiveness for the broken hearts. Because Christ still cleanses sinners even today, just as easily as he did then. Still cleanses sinners. He can restore those who have failed. He can restore those who have fallen. Because after Christ rose, then Peter was ready to take the gospel to the world. He is ready then. No matter what man might do to me, I've seen my Redeemer lives. You slay me, fine. I go to be with the Lord. Doesn't matter. You kill me now, I go to be with the Lord. I die from COVID, I go to be with the Lord. Even now, I go to be with Christ. Matters not. What will happen to me in this life? And Peter's life will be transformed. And I was transformed when Christ rose from the dead. No fear in his heart then, nor will he fail again. He will take up the cross of Christ and he will follow in those footsteps of suffering and death. But you must be too ready for that. 
We must also deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. If you fall, if you fail, Christ will still pick you up. He will not abandon his little ones. He will not cast off his sheep. He will not abandon you ever. He said, I will bring those that the Father has given me. I will raise them up. Because Christ has still come to heal the brokenhearted. Even those whose hearts are broken, even today. Different reasons. You know, different reasons for broken hearts. That Christ is the, the lover of your soul. He is the one who knows your heart. He knows you're broken. He knows when you're filled with joy. He knows and he still loves you and cares for you. He's still our Redeemer, the Good Shepherd, as always. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for thy holy word. And we thank you here for the very grace and the forgiveness that we see here in the eyes of Christ and the very words of Christ. And Lord, even as he warned them and he told them what was going to happen, even with the failures and the fallings of Peter and others, Lord, we we know that this was all in accordance with your purpose and plan. Father, it was not a permanent thing, but only temporary, Lord. Because, Father, they had plans. Christ had plans. Lord, you had plans. And you accomplished thy perfect will. Father, we thank you that the gospel of Jesus Christ did go forth to the known world. Father, we thank you that the gospel of Jesus Christ extended beyond their known world into ours, Lord. And souls and broken hearts are still being saved and mended, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the brokenness, Lord, of our Savior. Lord, that bloody sacrifice on the cross in our place. But Lord, that Jesus was raised. He was raised and ready to meet every single one of us. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's all go ahead now.